0: Broadcasting from the commodity capital of the world, Zurich, Switzerland, this is Insider's Guide to Energy.
1: This edition to Insider's Guide to Energy is brought to you by Fedectus. Go to www.fedectus.com for more information.
2: Welcome everyone to the mini-series Next Generation Energy Leaders of the podcast Insider's Guide to Energy. My name is Luca.
1: And I'm Jill and we're your hosts for today. And in today's episode, our guest is Marius from Nexus E. He's the project manager of this integrated energy systems modeling platform. And I'm really excited to talk to him about what this platform is actually doing and about his task also as a project manager.
2: It'll be interesting. I've done a little bit of energy modeling in my master thesis, but nowhere near as complicated as this sounds. Uh, So yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say.
1: Indeed, indeed. So without further ado, hi, Marius. It's a pleasure to have you with us today.
0: Yeah, hi. Thanks. Uh, Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: All right, I'd say we get started. Um, Marius, could you briefly introduce yourself and also, also Nexus E!, to the audience,
0: sure. So I'm like a mechanical engineering engineer per per training. So uh, in my bachelor's and, and master's, I studied the mix of mechanical engineering, business administration, and economics. Back then in in Germany, the RWTH, and then for my master thesis, I came to uh, I came to to ETH and then stayed there for my PhD and then also for for Nexus E at the Energy Science Center. And I'm doing the project management for this platform, and at the same time, I'm also uh, doing my own research as, uh, as a postdoc. And yeah, Nexus E. I think you already said said a few buzzwords uh, of the platform. So it's like an um, energy system optimization modeling platform. So it's it's a long word, and it sounds quite complicated. But short, I mean, short. It's uh, it's a platform. And you can add your own energy system model to it. And it already has quite some, some models on it. And these models can communicate with each other so that each of the modules only has to, to represent a part of the energy system. So, for example, if one researcher is developing only a subsection of the energy system, uh, the person can add it to the platform and make use of the other models that maybe represent another part of the energy system. So I think that's quite powerful, and it uh, saves a lot of uh, effort for the researcher that already can can leverage the existing models that are on the platform.
2: That sounds uh, already very fascinating, and I'm looking forward to hearing going to more detail. Um, Maybe just stepping back uh, a bit, you said you're a mechanical engineer by training. What did you do during your PhD in Zurich? And and how did that whole process from going from the PhD to this project management to see ne- how did that go about? Sure. Um, so
0: I did my PhD at the group uh, from Professor Volker Hoffmann. And the group is called um, SUSTEC, so Sustainability and Technology. And actually we do quite a lot of, different stuff at the group so it's not only energy topics and it's not only engineering so it's it's a mix of it can be finance it can be engineering as well of course uh but also politics um so it's it's quite quite an interdisciplinary um group or mix of people uh, yeah, and also management and, and economics and the idea is to to focus on the intersection of what is sustainable and what can technologies do to make the world more sustainable and then um i think you're also asking about the transition then to to next c yeah. yeah uh that was cu- pure coincidence i would say so <laughs> i was uh, still doing my my phd i was doing some some modeling work but also not Near as complicated or complex as, as Nexus E, um, and it was like I created my own model, and it was disconnected from every other other model, and it was like my my small model. Um, but then, um, just my my professor, uh, Volker Volker hoffman just told me about this open position at uh, Nexus E and doing the project management, and I was oh I am trusting him very much so i thought okay if he suggests me this position uh he's probably knows that that it would be a good fit for me um yeah and then i think it it was or it is still a good fit but as i said it was nothing like really planned long ahead it was more short term um yeah and I, I switched during my phd already to to nexus e so and i just started at the energy science center at nexus e when covid started yeah I had such a long time already, (laughs) Uh, go.
2: I mean, this is really valuable. Uh, Looking at the audience or who we are targeting, basically, is people like you and us. Um, You being a bit further than us already, but people who you want to know what it's what it's like to, to have this transition and 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 that it is most of the time just uh, a lucky coincidence
0: yeah and i think also a bit like yeah knowing maybe who's your mentor who you can trust and uh, also then be open to, to these people what you want to do what you like to do um yeah and just just yeah talk and and be open um to these people
1: something we actually try to ask every podcast guest is uh, what are your recommendations for fellow graduates making like the first steps after their studies
0: yeah it's always it's always a tough question because i mean every it's for everybody it's different right so uh i mean i, I was quite lucky i would say with that i didn't have to apply somewhere after my my studies or it was just like a, a smooth transition uh, since for for a long time so i think that was that was quite nice for me. But in the end, I would also say that I just went there where it was comfortable or where I felt comfortable with. Um, and I mean, I was also letting myself guide a, a bit uh, with where not only the job, which I like or I feel good with, but also the place and the people around me. So... Um, I and mean, for example i really like to stay in zurich so everything else was not every like other job position that might have been super nice and like a great fit i was not really intu- into it because I, I like to stay here so i think that's for me very important that even though the job can sound amazing if you are then not comfortable in the situation of being in another place of missing people that you want to have around, then it's maybe not the the best choice. But yeah, that's I think really personal, and it's not really job related.
2: Yes. Yeah. So, so talking about um, the people you work with at Nexus E, how many people are there in this whole project? And and as I understood, and we'll be talking about the architecture later on, um, who are you involved with? What are these people only working on Nexus E, or are they are they just partially working on Nexus E? How does that work? Yeah, sure.
0: The, the leaders of, of Nexus E, they're like the professors, right? And there are, I think, right now five professors actively in, involved in, in Nexus e. And they can be from elect, electrical engineering to mechanical engineering, um, or more like policies or economics. So that can, it's always depending, sometimes we lose a professor because they go to another university, for example, um, and then we get new professors, then maybe it's professors that are new to ETH and are interested in, in on the one hand, in Nexus E as a model, and but also in the, a bit of the network. Um, so yeah, so it's the professors, um, like around five and then uh, pre- The professors of course they have their research groups and usually one or two researchers per professor join next year so i think it's mostly one but sometimes it's two and so that's then the the researchers and they develop um, the models further usually they're focusing on one model um, and try to yeah make novel academic contributions and then, um, because that's, of course, required for, for doing a PhD or postdoc work. Um, and then on top or below that, however you want to see it, then we have people that work on the infrastructure. Uh, that's, for example, a person that develops our web viewer for the results or updates the database, uh, that we have. So it's kind of the, the infrastructure that all modules use. And I think that's quite quite nice that that we do this work so that the research can really actually focus on on the module and um, yeah and, yeah and trying to build up something novel and not everybody is wasting or not wasting time but spending time on collecting the the same data so I think that's 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 quite quite helpful um, yeah and then of course you also have have my position as uh, a project management. And yeah, and maybe a bit of outreach um, of of Nexus E.
1: Maybe you could give us a quick insight on how the project even came up, came about, like the beginnings of Nexus E.
0: So I think it, it. I mean, I was not in Nexus E back then from the start on. So as I said, I just joined uh, two years ago. So it's a bit uh, before my time. But as I as the rumors were saying, uh, there was this uh, or the. Um, the Fukushima um, thing happened in, in 2011, and based on this, like nuclear power was discussed. I think in most most industrialized uh, countries, whether they should get out or phase out nuclear power or not. And we also had the discussion in Switzerland. Um, and there were a lot of studies on this, but there was kind of a missing piece because there were some studies that. Um, that evaluated the the technical feasibilities of the phase out of nuclear power for Switzerland, and maybe then there were also some economic studies on this. What would it mean for for Switzerland from a macroeconomic perspective? But there was not a not a joint uh, study um, that tried to harmonize both perspectives and the assumptions of both pers- perspectives, and then do like this, yeah. Comprehensive evaluation of, of what the nuclear phase out in Switzerland would mean, and that was the idea when when Nexus E was was founded or, or started. That was then already in 2014, um, yeah, 2015, and yeah. So this was kind of the first topic that Nexus E wanted to focus on. Um, and then it was the idea of bringing together this engineering techno-economic perspective and this macroeconomic perspective and to do that um, the, they created like a conceptual module or plan for nexus e and this was the when the idea of these five core modules of Nexus E was was born? So that you have two modules for the investment in, in in power generation technologies and storage. Then there's one module module on the on the on the market and how are these technology being dispatched to meet or to cover the electricity demand? Then there's another module that focuses on the electricity on the transmission grid. Yeah transmission grid so can the grid actually um, handle all these power flows um, that occur from meeting the demand with power generation technologies and then finally the macroeconomic module which evaluated the impact of these investments on on the Swiss society
1: maybe a more in-depth question on on this Um, you mentioned sector coupling and flexibility and before you said y- you do have a model where you look at a module based on the transmission system or the transmission grids. Do you also consider distribution grid, or is it something that is left out at the moment? Or how, like, what kind of levels are you looking at at the moment?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that that's a very good question. So, be- as I mentioned before, um, I think it was I think it was also. Um, yeah in the beginning you always had this high very high level system perspective so you were only looking at the national level or at the very low level on mostly on the building level but everything in between was was left out um so and even in the beginning when you were looking at the national level sometimes you were not considering the transmission grid level at all so you were just thinking about as a copper plate um so electricity could flow from yeah, could flow anywhere uh, without any restrictions. And then the next step was to, to consider the, um, this, the transmission grid. Um, but I think it's it's a very valid question because we, when we create these scenarios and we, in our scenarios, we say, okay, we create, we, in these scenarios, you see 40 terawatt hours of solar PV. I mean, what we can now assess is, can the transmission system handle the, the power generation from these 40 terawatt hours um, of PV, but we have no clue whether the distribution grids can actually handle that. So I, I think that's that's a very valid point and a, and a very valid uh, question. And currently we are also working on integrating a distribution grid model in Nexus E. Um, and the, the key challenge there is its data availability. So it's very hard to get data from, uh, from distribution distribution grid operators and of course you will never be able to collect data from all distribution grids because it's quite a lot Um, and then it's a bit the question maybe you get five or you maybe get ten of these of the of the distribution grid. but how do you scale it up so how can you make assessment how can you make generalizations based on a few case studies for entire switzerland
2: when, when we talked about the distribution grid, I thought, um, what about the, the large scale? What about international environment? To what extent can you, do you guys integrate also the developments that is happening in our neighboring countries?
0: Yeah, I think that, that's also very, val- uh, very relevant uh, and very valid uh, to have a question on this. So how uh, we do it within Nexus E itself is that we represent the neighboring countries but also in a very aggregated form. So, And we do not optimize um, the, the number of generators in, this, in the neighboring countries as we do it in, in Switzerland. So we take scenarios, for, for example, from NCOE, uh, from the Transmission Grid Operator Association or Organization. Um, so we take scenarios from them for the neighboring countries and then include them in, in Nexus E. So we have some knowledge about their demand and supply. Uh, but with a strong focus on nexus e but what we what we do besides that is we link kind of the detailed uh, or nexus e which has a detailed perspective on switzerland with for example europe colliope which is a, a broader energy system model which covers entire europe but every country on a on an aggregated level uh, and by this, we can, for example, first optimize the entire European energy system and then then use the results from from this model as boundary conditions for Switzerland. So we have some kind of we have some data or we get some results on also the neighboring countries and then we can make use of that in ecstasy.
1: Can you already give us an insight on the biggest findings of those energy systems modeled in terms of scenarios?
0: In terms of scenarios, uh, that's that's always tough because <laughs>
2: um,
0: yeah no I, I think one of the biggest findings is that br- right now for example there is a lot of talk about hydrogen being required as an electricity store like a storage um, so it's that you use electricity to generate hydrogen and then you use hydrogen again to um, create elec- or to generate electricity and in our models, we just don't see that it's getting built in Switzerland. Uh, and we were surprised also in the beginning, but it's just not economically feasible, at least under our assumptions. <laughs> and it's, and that Switzerland has enough, or what it, what it means enough, but with imports uh, and the flexibility provided by hydropower, it doesn't need uh, hydrogen as a storage, at least under our assumptions. I don't want to say that it will not be required at all until 2050 in Switzerland, but at least in our scenarios, it is not getting built. And I thought, because the topic is so hot, as soon as we integrate it in our model as well, there will be only hydrogen. (laughs) I mean, I'm exaggerating now, but there will be some hydrogen. And actually, it's it's not getting built.
1: Would you say um there is no actual need for storage apart from hydropower or pumped hydro systems or is it just because of the hydrogen probably too expensive in relation to the efficiency or what's the main problem there
0: I mean usually I would for Switzerland I would see two different use of storage right the the first use is for for hourly and daily fluctuations and i think for this sp- for this um, variability or fluctuations in the system, I think Switzerland is very well prepared. So we have uh, hydropower um, pumped, I mean pumped uh, storage. Um, I think using electric vehicles in in the near future for addressing or to have some demand shifting. I think that's that's all very likely to come. So I don't see an issue for these hourly and daily fluctuations. The bigger pr- problem in Switzerland, is it's always about the, the, the winter. So there's a lack of electricity in winter. So seasonal storage and hydrogen could or is, or could, could act as a seasonal storage is on the first glance, it's very useful because you have too much electricity in summer, you can store it or you can produce hydrogen then store it and then, um make use of it in the winter but in our scenarios it is cheaper to import electricity than to build up the entire infrastructure for for hydrogen generation and storage of course there there are uncertainties about whether switzerland can import that much as we see in our in in our scenarios or whether there will be a lack of winter also in the neighboring countries Sorry, lack of electricity in winter in the neighboring countries. So that that is that has higher uncertainties, and therefore um, I wouldn't say that it's for sure not needed. Um, and it's it's of course a, a valid technology that might help Switzerland to reduce import dependency in winter. But it's right now it comes with higher costs than than still importing.
2: That is that is I think that's really really fascinating, and I think what it what it shows is that um, the next project. So this might have a cascading effect on Europe, right? What happens to Europe when the imports of, of, of Switzerland need to need to be um, increased because we don't have hydrogen? So the next project would be making a Nexus e <laughs> of all of Europe, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think we.
0: Uh, um, I think uh, I think with uh, I think it's better to avoid developing a new european model and make use of the existing ones so I would rather i would be more it would be i would be happier um to extend our collaborations with other European models than uh, developing one on our own
1: but i I guess that means um you could show that especially in winter Switzerland is dependent on its neighboring countries
0: ah uh, sure yes it is I mean it is already today um I think there's there's no doubt about that,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I would say, economically feasible that we change that that Switzerland is is independent.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it, I mean, I would first, I would say, orthodoxy is never a state that you want to achieve. I think it always is highly inefficient and comes with the highest cost. Uh, but of course, you want to have some. You want to have the dependencies not too high. So that you're not kind of getting politically unstable or that you can, yeah, I don't, for example, then the EU connects electricity agreements with other uh, bilateral agreements or uh, contracts. So I think that's not a, um, not a state that you want a status that you, that you want to have. Um, but yeah, so. So some imports are fully fine and Switzerland is also exporting in summer and I think last year Switzerland make, made a slight minus in the trade balance but the year before was was a was a plus so I think it's always um, slightly around zero so I think it's it's all fine but the winter imports shouldn't get too high and in our scenarios they are they're quite high uh, to be honest so if Switzerland wants to reduce it there are some ways of of addressing this. And one would be seasonal storage, but with high costs. Um, Other alternatives would be um, trying to reduce demand in winter. And other alternatives would be to increase electricity generation in winter. And we just said, for example, an article on on, uh, solar PV in the Alps, because they produce like more or less half of their electricity in the wintertime. So that could be at least an interesting uh, technology um but it has some acceptance and regulatory hurdles and also it also comes with higher costs yeah
2: but it i think it's an interesting technology we're slowly coming to the end um jill do you have any final questions to ask
1: i do actually i do um what do you see in the future for nexus e
0: yeah i, I think we I mentioned a couple of things already, so I think uh, for me, getting open source is uh, is very important, so that it's also be- that more re- researchers can actually work on it, and that we also streamline the process of a new person person joining Nexus E or just using Nexus E, so that right now it, it's some it is some effort to get started uh, with with uh, with the model. So I think that that is kind of key to me that we that we improve that um yeah and the, the long term is a bit like this okay that it's becomes kind of as a standard um model or modeling platform that is being used for for creating scenarios so that that would be the future that i hope for
2: for nexus C. I might ask a last question on a personal note um one thing we also ask all our guests is judging or looking at your daily work um, what is it that you really that fulfills you or really motivates you and what parts of your work do you really enjoy on a day-to-day basis yeah i think i think the
0: first is i mean it's the topic itself so i think i mean i'm working on or i'm studying working on the topic since 2009 so it's now 13 years so it's quite a bit it's quite a long time so it is a topic that that is fascinating uh to me and then that the work we are doing with NextE is also relevant on this topic, so I think we can we can create some scenarios or create some insights um, that is interesting for policymakers, uh, for the ministries, and maybe also for for the society to know. Um, of course, that maybe that's maybe too much, but maybe it has some influence so at, at least that's my hope for for it and i think that that that's also what, what drives me a bit and then also from so that's more relating the topic but then of course also the work style that i currently have so it's uh, i'm quite flexible uh with which projects i'm following up uh which like topic within the energy topic uh we're trying to cover next so is it alpine pv is it no hydrogen um is it i don't know um trying to make clear why nuclear uh, extension is not a good idea for switzerland you know it so we can um we can follow up on a lot of discussions and i think the flexibility on choosing which one we want to do and which we think is interesting i think that that's uh, very fulfilling
1: Yeah, definitely a lot of interesting topics you're working on there. And it has been a really interesting talk. We're really happy that you were with us today. And it was a pleasure hosting you.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, it was fun.
2: Yeah, uh, very insightful. Um, I'm looking forward to um, seeing Nexus E becoming open source (laughs) and all other things that we are um, looking forward to in the future. And for our listeners, thank you so much for joining us and remember to like and subscribe to our show. We're looking forward to talking to you soon. Goodbye.